2 Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 4 to 9, and we read, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Did we get that? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. Think about these words. Don't rush through these scriptures. Let your graciousness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Then he says in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts, your minds, through Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Timothy that these are the days, perilous days, meaning days of stress. The word perilous is the word stress. So God knew all those years ago, he documented it for us. So in the last days, we wouldn't walk in stress. We would walk in peace that passes the understanding. Think about that. Don't just read the word and rush through and be able to quote it. Think about it. Do you and I live at the junction of peace? Apostles, the understanding. You'll be surprised what peace means. And maybe we can get to that before I finish out. One of the meanings of peace may shock you. That old religious spirit may have to leave. Amen. 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 Come on. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything... By prayer, one, supplication, two, with thanksgiving, three. Let your requests, plural, be made known to God, not faith by hints. Not faith by hints. How many of you know what faith by hints is? Not too many, huh? Let me help you. You go and tell somebody what your problem is and hope like hang they'll help you. Come on. Let your requests be made known to God. Direct your requests to God. That your wisdom doesn't stand in man, but in God. And then the Bible says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then verse 8. It would be a good Habit, it would be a good discipline to meditate on this verse, these verses, but particularly on verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, 
whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So I don't know what you have been thinking about this past week, but I can tell you what the gospel says you should have been thinking about this past week. Because if you think about Philippians 4 verse 8, then you're seeking the sovereignty of God in your life, and then all the things you and I were, may have been concerned about are no longer even an issue. Well, that sounds a bit like Star Wars. Well, it's better than Star Wars, because Star Wars was made in Hollywood. This is made in heaven. Very different. It is pure, and it reproduces after itself. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. The Bible says it again. And the God of peace will be with you. It's interesting that God is called the God of peace, but he's also called the God of war. He's the God of peace to those who are with him, but the God of war to those who resist him. So believers are instructed, let's go back to verse 4 here, rejoice in the Lord always. Twice it's repeated. Rejoice in the Lord. Not in your financial standing, not in the promotion, there's nothing wrong with that. Not in your new job, not in your new house or new car. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then the Bible says, again I say, rejoice. That word rejoice in the original is being cheerful. Now remember, in the times of stress, cheerful. You want to walk by faith? Cheerful. Now if you unpack that word cheerful, it means to be well off. Come on. This is the truth of God's word. When you rejoice, the Bible says you are in favorable circumstances. So the adverse circumstances become favorable. Do you remember the Holy Ghost said, we are ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter. Because what we're speaking here is the Spirit of God. Let's go to, we've got quite a bit of scripture because I don't want you to listen to anything but the Word of God. Well, listen to me while I talk the Word of God, but don't listen to me if I don't talk the Word of God. Matthew 9, verse 2, I want you to see something. So he got into his boat, crossed over, Matthew 9, and came to his own city. Matthew 9, verse 2, Jesus. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic 
lying on the bed, when Jesus saw their faith, whose faith? Who? The men, not the man, the men. When Jesus saw their faith, faith you can see. Can't talk about it. You need to see it. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Immediately he was translated into a favorable position with Christ. Are you with me? Do you want a title for this? God's peace guards our hearts and our minds. God's peace guards our hearts and our minds. Let's go to Matthew 14, verse 27. 14, verse 27. And once again, we see adverse circumstances. Well, I'm going to pick it up from verse 22, John 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. The New King James is pretty mild the way it lays out. Those winds were actually of hurricane proportions. So this wasn't a boat that was popping around. This was a boat that was flipping to and fro. It was hurricane winds that had come. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, fear. Fear struck them, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. If you drop down to the Verse 32, you'll see how the circumstances change. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Verse 33, then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Unless you and I allow the power of God through the Holy Ghost to become manifest in our lives, we will not rejoice in the Lord. We will go through a religious ritual. But the Bible tells me it doesn't matter what this, these crazy governments do. The Bible tells me God's peace guards our hearts and our minds. Amen. 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 So that word cheer is referring to having courage. 
Perhaps in many ways the church has abandoned courage. But that's exactly what God told Joshua. So I want you to see that peace is not some passive place where the birds are tweeting and there's a cool breeze. It's in the midst of war that your heart's in that place. Do you understand this? Because this is where the enemy can't touch you. So I gave you two examples where in the midst, one was a paralytic, the other was they were going to drown. The ship was going to, the boat was going to sink. And Jesus comes in and says, take courage. And at the same time, he changes the circumstances. Can you see? So I want us to understand, this is not being a prophet of doom. You just need to understand the world is not going to get better. You have to change. You and I have to live as the head and not the tail. In every circumstance, whether it is spiritual, mental, social, physical, or financial. So what the truth of God's word does is it instills in our hearts a confidence and a courage. So when, the, when, the, when everything's going, I mean, we could really take um, Matthew 14 and unpack it a lot more. But when everything looks wrong, Jesus appeared, he's the living word, and you invite him into the circumstance. Now, let me help you with prayer. You don't pray to Jesus. You pray to God in the name of Jesus. I've heard believers pray to the Holy Ghost. You cannot do that. You don't pray to the Holy Ghost. You can talk to him, but you do not pray to him. So you always pray to God the Father in the name. It's not a rubber stamp. It's a statement of faith. So don't just throw it out there. In Jesus' name. Because when you say that, you should be relying upon the power of the cross in Christ Jesus. Amen. So it's possible, we're going to go through quite a bit, few more scriptures. It's possible to rejoice under all circumstances. This does not imply, and I want you to get this, that we're accepting adverse circumstances. It's very important that you understand this. Rather, we're maintaining faith. Got it? So you're not rejoicing for the circumstance. You're rejoicing in the circumstance that you're coming out. Please get this. Please get this. God does not need the devil 
to steal, kill, and destroy you so you can get to heaven. In fact, that would be a total contradiction of why Jesus Christ came to the earth, because he told us. He said exactly the opposite. He said that you may have, enjoy life, and then he quantifies how to enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Got it? That's not when you get to heaven. There's no devil in heaven. This is training ground for reigning. Amen. Amen. So, it's possible. Say to your neighbor, rejoice in that circumstance. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have compassion, remember? And it doesn't mean that we're not aware of what's transpiring. We're just not agreeing with it. Do you get that? We're not agreeing with it. If you've got symptoms of flu, you can't say, I don't have flu. You say, I'm healed. That's the truth, not the other one. So you speak, you rejoice in the healing power of Jesus. Because that is truth. That's what will set you free. Amen. So let's go to the word here in Philippians in this context. Remember, it's possible to rejoice under all circumstances. This does not imply we're accepting adverse situations. It simply means we're maintaining faith. So in context, if we drop down to verse 12, I know how to be abased. He's not saying he's learning how to be abased. He's saying, I was abased. And I know how to abound. So he knows how to rejoice in both environments. Okay? Everywhere and in all things... I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. But then he crowns it with the statement of faith and victory, and he says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Now, I have heard this scripture misquoted many, many times. This is what believers say. I can do all things. It doesn't say that. It says, through Christ Jesus. The strength comes by the declaration of the redemptive resurrection power that's vested in the name of of Jesus Christ. It's not a rubber stamp. It's a declaration of faith in that name. Got it, family? So important. 
Now, you may not feel like you're doing all things through Christ Jesus. But if you look at 2 Corinthians 5, you'll see that you're not doing things by your senses, but you're doing things by the faith of God's Word. Let's go to Habakkuk 3, verse 17 to 18. Habakkuk 3 in the Old Testament. Verse 17, I'm going to read 17, 18, and 19. We are ministering on God's peace, God's our hearts, and our minds. Though a fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fall or fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on high heels. That is not woman's shoes. That's on top of the mountain. So your view can be seen for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and more miles. Amen. Amen. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10. Let me just get there. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10. Now here, Paul is talking to the Corinthians about ministry, Lloyd. This is the marks of ministry. I would, I actually am going to read the whole thing from verse 6, chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 to 10. We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says in an acceptable time, I have heard you, and the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time, and behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, the, if you unpack that word salvation, it's not just a confession to the Lord to receive the Lord Jesus. That's the beginning of it. But then the outworking of the plan of God for salvation begins in our lives. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. Remember, you're a minister of the new covenant. But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses. Hello. In stripes, thank God we didn't live when Paul lived. 
imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings. By purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, watch how he starts to declare the solution into the adversity. By the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well knowing, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed. Not quite a mouthful, right? Are you still with me if you dozed off? Come on, look at this. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, and yet possessing all. Can you see the contrast, what he's bringing through? He's not saying be poor. You may start there. He's not saying be sick. You may start there. He's not saying you're just going to be persecuted. There's never going to be anything else. You may start there. But in that place, you rejoice. Amen. Amen. So verse 6, we're instructed to be anxious for nothing. We're not oblivious, because it's important that we understand this. We're not oblivious to any adverse situation. And the reason I believe the Holy Ghost has to bring this is because people have a perverted view of faith. They think faith means no trouble. As long as there's a devil in the earth, you'll need faith to overcome him by the word of God through the name of Jesus. That's just as simple as it gets. But the difference is, here, we direct our request into the word. And so what happens is we're reading the word, we're speaking the word, but we're not requesting God often. To bring it to pass. Hello. That might shock you a bit. So too many believers are worried, nervous, discouraged, uncertain, double-minded about their futures. And that's why I believe the Holy Ghost is bringing the word. If you think, if you think, the political situation that we saw unfold in 2020 is over. You're sadly mistaken. There are moves afoot to make the who, if you read and watch these things, understand these things, to make them. The countries are now meeting to make the who, the World Health Organization, the sole authority of all medical decisions that will usurp even the country's government. That's in the media. You better understand how to live by faith. This is not a frightening tactic. This is the reality 
of Jesus speaking about the end time, what would transpire. And he's made it possible for us. Can you see? So fear is being afraid of something unpleasant, dangerous, or even harmful. Is fear real? Fear is real. Fear is the enemy of your faith. If you live in fear, you don't have faith. It's as simple as that. You see, because fear feeds into doubt and unbelief. So when you hear an adverse report, what do you think and what do you say? Because the whole point of faith is to call into being God's word to change the very circumstance that you and I are facing and to bring the life of God into an area where there is potentially no life, no creative force. But the word of God is a creative force. Can you see? So you can't mush the devil away. He ain't going nowhere. He'll probably put his tent outside your front garden if that's how you're thinking. Come on, family. It's so important. Fear, anxiousness is the enemy of faith. And so what's happening in fear is the spirit of lack is in full-blown operation. You will always have lack if you allow fear to be a part of your vocabulary. And so you notice God puts faith in the heart, not in the head. And the reason is because the head is the battlefield of the devil. The Bible speaks of the dots, the lies, the doubts, the unbelief. Where's God now? Where's God now? Casting those arrows into our minds. Those are thoughts that he casts into our minds. But the Bible tells me God's peace guards my heart and my mind. If, therefore, that's not happening, then I need to get onto it and let my heart and my mind, no matter what's happening, be at peace. Amen. Amen. Are you still with me? So, you are not to be double-minded about your future if God has spoken. So if God speaks from the word, you don't have to be double-minded about your future outcomes. That's just the truth. That's, that's what it is. So let's go back to uh, Philippians 4, just in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests, plural, be made known to God. Don't ever tell God, 
Oh, no, this, this is probably a silly thing, so I'm not going to raise it with you. Don't do that. Because the things that you don't raise with him will get bigger and bigger and bigger until you raise nothing. If you and I can't trust him with things of obscurity, how are we going to trust him with things of profile? This is your heavenly father. He created you. He knows who you are. Amen. Amen. So in everything by prayer, that is worship, supplication, which is asking humbly. That does not mean you bawl and squall on the ground and God thinks you're really humble now. <laughs> humility is a place of obedience. That's true humility. So when the Bible says, let your requests be made known. When you and I step into prayer and supplication in faith, we are then walking in humility before the Lord and we release his hand to work on our behalf. Amen? So humble is not and outward might work outwardly, but that's not where it is. Humility is of the heart. And the mo I'm going to say it again. The most basic way to understand humility is absolute obedience and willingness to the word of God. That's humility. Walking around looking like a stuffed rose with a big dog collar and everything else and robes on you and big chains of crosses does not imply you are humble. Sorry. That's just the truth. Amen. Amen. Nothing wrong with that if the heart's right. So what happens when we do this? So many times what we do when we pray, we don't thank. We just let the request be made known. But the way that God has put it is that by faith, we now transition from not having to having, even though we don't have it tangibly in our hand, by declaring thanksgiving to him in advance of the manifestation of whatever we are trusting God for. And in that place of thanksgiving, we start to walk in the peace that passes understanding. I want you to get this. You haven't seen anything yet. But that's not how you live. You as a born-again believer live by what God has said, not what you can see. Whatever he has said, you will see if you believe. So spend time reading the scripture until when you are faced with a situation, this becomes your go-to, not the phone, only the throne. You got it? 
this is going to the throne, not the phone. The phone won't help you. Throne is where the power is. Amen. Amen. Come on. So the peace of God which surpasses, the Bible says in verse um, 7, which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. That word surpasses means to hold one above so they can excel. Did you get that? This is you, family. This is you. Don't look at you. Look at who's in you. You and I can do nothing. Our works are as filthy rags, the Bible says. It doesn't mean God doesn't love us. He says, you can't please me with your works. You please me with your faith in my completed work so that I can bring the blessing of God in all areas upon your life. Amen. Amen. Come on. So that's what I want you to see. So you can hold yourself above in that peace that surpasses the understanding, holds us above the circumstance. In fact, causes us to excel. I just, to me, it's just so simple, so amazing. So maybe I should just say this to you. Let's go to Romans 8. I hope you've remembered these scriptures. Because this is your man and quail for the coming week. Romans 8, 1. The Bible says here, well, let me, before I go there, faith is, is in the completed redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I really want us to get this. It's not your sense of self-worthiness is not a credential for God to move. Please get this. If you feel worthy or unworthy, does not move God. And that's where the devil wants you to play in the mind. Oh, I don't feel very spiritual today. I don't suppose I'm very... What? You're born again of God's spirit. It's got nothing to do with how you feel. Yes, God gave you emotions, but your salvation is not... All my salvation is not according to what I would deem... As good credentials. Do you remember what Paul did? He said, Yeah, I'm going to give you my credentials, but I count them as dung that I may gain Christ. Come on, family. Let's go to Romans 8. I'm just going to go from 1 to 4. It was only verse 1, but I. Condemnation. If you are, well, all right, Lord, let me just carry with the word. He says, shoot, it'll work out in the word. Okay. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
If you and I are born again of the kingdom of God, born of his spirit, born into his kingdom, the Bible says we do not walk according to the flesh. That's going to hit you right between the eyes if you've got any spiritual awareness. Come on. But according to the Spirit. So if you live in the flesh, you've signed up for condemnation. That's it. Now listen. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. In other words, the flesh. Verse 3, for what the law could not do, don't tick boxes with God on how spiritual you are. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now, the devil wants to keep you and I in that place. Because we had a thought, I could eat 40 hamburgers now. That's gluttony. But you can't stop thoughts coming, but you can decide what they're going to do. The outcome is what's important to God. Not the thought that the enemy threw, because he, he warned us of the thoughts that he will throw at our minds. Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Got it? So, what's that about? Yours and my peace is tied up in understanding we are redeemed from the curse of the law. We are free in Christ Jesus, not free to sin, free to believe, free to love God. And so we can go on. Amen. I'm going to finish it off with this. And I don't have time to unpack this because we're out of time, but I'll drop it with you and it'll probably, God help you if you can <laughs> pick this up. Not God help you in the wrong sense, God help you to get it. Biblical peace is a verb. It literally and figuratively means prosperity. Prosperity means to be prosperous. Are you with me? Same word that we've just been reading. This is the word of God. It means, why? Because 90 plus percent of all that people are anxious about is financial. Always. They put it into all kinds of things, but it's always financial. Ultimately, if you dig down deep enough, you'll find it's a financial concern. Its root is in finance. So 
Prosperity is a state of being prosperous. Now, you can go and check this out in the English dictionary or the Russian, whatever one you want, but this is what it means. It means to become successful in material substance. That's what it means. Do you think God didn't know that you and I need material substance? Why did he create an earth? Why did he put gold in the earth? Why did he put silver in the earth? Who put it there? God. Can you see? So he knows only too well that you need substance to live. And the whole process of where the political dispensation is going in the future world is that if you listen, and this is in the public domain, so you can go and watch it. If you listen to Karl Schwartz, you'll have nothing and you'll be happy. That's what he says. That's what the globalists say. You can go and watch this. I'm not giving you something that people don't. He says we'll take everything and you'll be happy. Any votes on that? Why? Because it's a contradiction to the Garden of Eden. Go forth, multiply, tend my earth. So, God's peace guards our hearts and our minds. It does mean rest. But it means prosperity as well. And because we know that we live in a material world, God knows that too. So you don't make the material stuff your God because you cannot serve two gods. But the Bible tells me in Luke that I should be make friends of mammon. That's money. Interesting, huh? The word peace means flourishing financially. Flourishing. Not barely get a long street. Flourishing. Can you see, family? The vast majority... So if it's requests, let your requests be made known. How many people do you think are praying, God, let me pray for 10 hours. God, let me go to church five times a week. I need to be in church. Five, please, man. Garbage. What they praying? God, I got to get through this month. That's what most are praying. 
God, I don't know what we're going to do when we retire because we're out of money. Hello? God, if you don't come through, this business is gone. That's the bulk of the prayer. And he said, it's fine. Let it be made known. So that his peace can come. So when you read it in context, are you with me? Truth sets us free. When we walk in truth, we're set free. God bless you.